welcome to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica Peretti, astrologer, yoga teacher, and Real Housewives historian. Each week, I give you a peek into the heavens so you can harness the energy of the planets up there and dictate your fate down here on Earth. Hey guys, welcome back to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica Peretti, and I'm going to be doing something a little bit different this week. Um, First of all, I'm recording from down the shore in New Jersey, visiting my best friend's family and getting lots of rest and relaxation. And I highly recommend that you do the same this week because we've got a heavy, heavy sky right now. We've got a lot of earth. We've got Mars creating a T-square with Venus and Saturn this week. We have a full moon in Pisces. We have Venus transiting through the very last degrees of Cancer on her way to Leo. And whenever a planet goes through the last few degrees of a sign, we tend to feel it a little bit more. But Cancer is really emotional, just like Pisces. So that water in the sky, we need it right now for sure. But it's making it really challenging to unpack and manage the emotions that are coming up with this very heavy time. Because in the background, amidst everything going on, and there's plenty of astrology already that I've mentioned, we have Mars square Saturn, which happened a couple of weeks ago. But we are still feeling it because Mars and Saturn are not going to move out of a three degree range from their square for the next month. So we're living with this, this tension, with this energy. So along with that, Mars is getting really slow. He's slowing down and he's preparing to retrograde. And that's not coming until next week. It's going to happen on the 9th of September. But we're still feeling that slowdown of Mars. And Mars squaring these planets makes us really want to take action, but we're also feeling like, oh, it just feels helpless. What can I do to make this better? And the thing that you can do is rest because the full moon in Pisces this week is giving you permission to do just that. I really recommend taking a few days this week. It's Labor Day weekend here in the US. If you can take a day off and just get to the pool, get to the beach, get to your bathtub, really allow yourself to immerse yourself in water and let the water rinse away some of that built up tension and emotional stress that every single one of us has been taking on since the beginning of the pandemic, um, from watching the news, from this election cycle, from this civil rights uprising that we are blessed to be a part of and also having our hearts broken watching the news. So with everything going on, it's really important that you give yourself the opportunity to rest and release. And full moons are about release. So full moons, they bring in the release part of the moon cycle. So the first half of the moon cycle from new moon to full moon, we're gaining, we're building, we're taking in the new, we're creating. And then full moon to the next new moon is when we release, we let go, we're paring down, we're making space. And so this week, the full moon is going to be exact on Wednesday, 
just after midnight on the East Coast, so Tuesday late at night for the West Coast. But for us here on the East Coast, it's going to be on Wednesday, September 2nd at 1.22 a.m. And so if you want to do a full moon ritual, this is a great full moon to do a ritual with. Pisces rules endings. It rules releasing. It rules letting go. It rules our intuition and our connection with spirit and our sleep. So this full moon is telling us, take a break, listen to your intuition, tune into the whisper of your soul, turn down the volume outside on the noise, turn up the volume on what's going on inside. And that's what I'm doing this week. That's why I took this week off to be down at the beach and spend some time with people that I love. And um, hopefully you get to do the same. So with that, uh, I mentioned the election cycle in there, and we're going to do a little bit something different today on the podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the sky for the next few minutes. And then we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And I've been promising you guys a little peek into their charts. So they're both their charts and their, you know, experience of one another. So we'll talk about that today. But uh, before we get into that, I want to just give you a rundown of the week and what we're working with. So last week, again, we are coming off that, that experience of Mars square Saturn, but of course we're feeling it all, all through September. So when it's exact, you know, it was exact a while ago, but we're still feeling it in the backdrop. This is the last week of Mercury in Virgo. So Mercury will move into Libra on Saturday. That will hopefully bring a little bit more ease in our communication because Mercury in Virgo, it helps us be analytical and critical and look at the details, but that doesn't necessarily uh, lend itself to negotiating in partnership, you know, and working with others. So with Mercury moving into Libra, we will be able to find a little more of a polite way of speaking to one another. We will find that we might even be people pleasers. We might decide to finally negotiate that contract that we've been putting off, right? So Mercury and Libra is really good for working with other people. And it gives us an opportunity to see the person on the other side of the table. That's all really good stuff. So that's later this week. The full moon, of course, is in Pisces while the sun is in Virgo. That's the opposite sign. Full moons invite us to work with polarities. With this full moon, we have this opportunity to celebrate our dreams, to rest, to relax, to let our imagination wander. It also includes um, a trine between the sun and Uranus, which means that something might come up that surprises you that you didn't expect It also includes a T-square with Mars squaring both Saturn and Venus, which are in opposition to one another. Now, whenever there's a T-square, it means that there is an experience of friction or tension. It also creates a sense of wanting to take action. And there is a lot of action-taking astrology right now. And I think that's great if you feel really motivated and inspired by that. But I think so many of us are really needing to decompress our nervous system. And we're going to have these energies of Virgo and Capricorn and Mars and Aries for a while. 
The next new moon coming in two weeks is going to be the new moon in Virgo because we're on a little bit of a weird cycle now where the full moon, where the new moon for the sun sign we're in comes at the very end because we had those back-to-back cancer new moons back in cancer season, which was a couple of months ago. So now we have the new moon coming at the very late end of each sun cycle. Virgo is about work. It's about analysis. It's about doing it well, putting the refining touch on the project. And so while the sun is still in Virgo and we still have that energy and we have Mercury still there until the end of this week, that new moon in Virgo in two weeks is going to be that back to school moment where we feel like, okay, let's start that new project. Let's, my favorite way to describe Virgo, and I might've shared this last week, is that quote from my favorite movie, You've Got Mail, when Tom Hanks says, if I knew your name and address, I would send you a bouquet of freshly sharpened pencils. And so the new moon in Virgo is going to be that moment where we want to get out our freshly sharpened pencils. So use this full moon in Pisces, which rarely comes before the new moon in Virgo, to decompress before the work starts, to let yourself rest and let yourself release. Okay, so what else do I want to tell you about this week? Venus is opposite Saturn. And again, that same, that T-square I mentioned, Mars squaring Venus and Mars squaring Saturn and Saturn and Venus opposite one another can make our relationships feel strained. So if you are nitpicking, if you are feeling like old resentments are coming up, we had a very intense Venus opposite Pluto last Sunday, and now we're getting Venus opposite Saturn. It's exact on Wednesday, the same day as the full moon. So your relationships might be feeling like there's something that that is restricting you right now and not something that's giving you freedom. So find ways that you can feel free within the relationship, unless you feel like that is the time to let it go. I mean, I think Venus opposite Pluto on Sunday probably gave you an indication if this was the time to say goodbye, but you know, Venus opposite Saturn is more like this feels restrictive to me right now. And I have to find a way to work with this boundary or maybe put up a boundary. If you're feeling overwhelmed, put up the boundary. Now, mind you, there's so much going on in the sky right now that you might just be feeling overwhelmed with life and it might have nothing to do with your relationship, but you might take it out on your partner. Okay. The other big news of the week is Venus is going to move into Leo on Sunday. So that's your last chance for some summer fun. Embrace the drama, the flair, buy a new outfit, get a back to school outfit, even if you're not going back to school, even if you're not going back to work, you know, embrace the Leo, you know, Leo, we talked about Leo last month because it was Leo season in early August. And so we talked about that, you know, Leo really enjoys being seen, being the shining star on the stage. So how can you embrace that in your relationship, embrace that in your fashion, embrace that in the way that you love on yourself and take care of yourself. Maybe you buy some new skincare. So really let yourself have a little bit of fun. And if you are in a place where it's safe to meet someone new, then this might be a great opportunity for a late summer fling, or maybe it's a late summer fling via Zoom. If you're in a place where you're still being conscientious of who you come in contact with. So that is what's going on with 
the planets this week. And let's just take a real quick look at the moon. So the moon started this week in Virgo and quickly moved into Aquarius early in the morning, Eastern Standard Time on Monday. So Aquarius can make us a little more interested in innovation, a little bit more interested in being with our friends and family and groups, not really family, more like friends and our community. On Tuesday, the moon's still in Aquarius, and then it goes into Pisces, and then we're in the we're gearing up for the full moon early in the week. And then we have that full moon right after midnight, um, 1.22 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. And then Thursday, uh, later in the afternoon, the moon moves into Aries. So it is going to be a spicy Labor Day weekend because when the moon moves into Aries, it's going to square the Capricorn COVID cluster, which is those three planets that are together, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn in the sign of Capricorn. And whenever the moon goes into these cardinal signs and squares that cluster, it can be really challenging for us. And then finally, we end the week with the moon going into Taurus on Sunday, and that'll be really nice. So if you are spending some time with your nearest and dearest Sunday all day and all day Monday, and into Tuesday. It'll be really nice. That's a really nice time to be home, to be comfortable, to eat the comfort food and all of that. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag of the week, but we'll get through it. And the most important thing I really want to drive home is that rest, listen to your intuition, meditate, go to the beach, go to the ocean, get in the tub, do the things that take care of your soul. Pisces is about Full moon in Pisces really inspires us to be in service to our soul and our soul's evolution. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Hey, did you know that I have an astro obsessed girls club that is waiting to welcome you? Yep, it's called the Luminary League and we meet every full moon for a live workshop online. We talk astrology, do a little meditation, writing exercise, and then, wait, this is the best part. I do mini readings for a few women right there in the virtual room. Ever wonder how the full moon is impacting your chart personally? Well, now you don't have to. I also send out a new moon ritual every month to all the members. So it's kind of like having your own personal astrologer in your back pocket. Come on over to veronicaparetti.com slash astrology to learn more and to sign up. And we're back. So I'm going to jump into Joe Biden's chart for you. And we'll also look at Kamala Harris and we'll look at their charts and how they talk to one another. And this is a practice in astrology that is called synastry. So when you take your chart and then put your partner's chart or your son or daughter's chart or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad. This is the art of synastry where we look at two people. We look at how their charts talk to one another. And this can give us some really interesting insight into how your relationship will take place and what challenges you'll have and where you see each other clearly and how you understand one another. So this is pretty cool. I do this for clients sometimes. Often 
clients will want to do a synastry chart of their chart and their partner. That's the most popular. And sometimes with, you know, one of their children or a parent or, you know, a work, a business partner. So uh, let's look at Joe Biden first. So the funny thing about Joe Biden is that everyone says, I know Joe, right? That's what all of the people, all of the people coming out to support Joe Biden say something along the lines of, I know Joe. I've known Joe for 20 years. I've known Joe for 40 years. So the funny thing about Joe Biden's chart is that he has four planets in Scorpio, three of which are in the 12th house. So I would say there's a lot about Joe that we don't know. There's a lot about his life that he keeps very private. People that are Scorpios, Sun and Scorpio people, or people with a lot of Scorpio energy in their chart are typically some of the most resilient individuals on earth because Scorpio really encourages us to go into the deep levels of the human psyche to look at the dark stuff. And when someone like Joe Biden has four planets in Scorpio, pretty much in the 12th house, he's had some really dark stuff to deal with. And we all know that his life has been really challenging and he's lost his first wife and he lost his son. And I believe he lost another child early on. So anyway, he's had a really tough life and he has had a lot of loss. Now, Scorpio rules death. So it's not surprising to me that losing people has been something he's had to deal with several times in his life because the Scorpio presence in his chart is so powerful. So his son, needless to say, is in Scorpio. It's a 27 degrees Scorpio in the 12th house conjunct his Mercury also in Scorpio and his Venus also in Scorpio. So the sun is sitting between those two. It is one degree away from Venus. So his Venus and his sun are really sitting close together. They are shoulder to shoulder. And when we look at that, it means that his Venus, which is his love and his money and his relationships and his communication, which is his Mercury are all being lit up by his sun, right? Interestingly enough, when you have the sun conjunct Mercury and Mercury is what we call combust, it means that Mercury is literally on fire because the sun is so close to it. Um, His sun is not that close at six degrees, but it's still considered conjunct. People can be a little stubborn. They can really be stuck in their way of thinking. And this is something, you know, he, but the cool thing I think about Joe Biden is that while he might be a more middle of the road candidate, he's been very open to changing his opinion through time as the culture has shifted. And you might remember that he was the one that actually pushed President Obama on gay rights and marriage equality. He was the one that came out and it was very controversial at the time. And whoa, the controversies of olden times, right? Now the controversies are so much bigger than that. But he came out in support of marriage equality and gay rights um, before President Obama had. So that was pretty revolutionary at the moment. So he has had, he has shown his ability to be agile in um, his thinking. And that could possibly be because he has Uranus 
opposite his sun. And so Uranus opposite his, that cluster of the sun, Mercury and Venus is really, it gives him an opportunity, even though it's an opposition and oppositions are hard aspects. I like oppositions because more than squares, I think they're easier than squares because it gives us an opportunity to walk to the middle. So Uranus and Gemini is very interested in innovation and creativity. And so his sun in Scorpio, it's, it's not like an exact opposition, but it's pretty close. And so the point of the matter is that he has a little bit of ability to see the future and be a futuristic thinker that is in his grasp, even though Scorpio is a fixed sign and can be very stubborn. So in astrology, when we look at someone's chart, we generally look at the big three first, and that is your sun, your rising, and the moon. So his sun and all those Scorpio planets, including Mars, so he has Mars, Mercury, and Venus all in Scorpio, pretty much in the 12th house. Mars is like one, is at Mars is at 12 degrees Scorpio right at the end of his 11th house. And then his 12th house starts at 13 degrees. So you could almost say that all four, you could really say all four are in the 12th house. So Scorpio, again, one of the most resilient signs in the Zodiac really has a lot of grit, has the ability to stay in it and see it through. It's a fixed sign, so it can be very stubborn. So it's really interesting because he has shown to have had amazing staying power in the political landscape as an elected official. And he's, you know, he's really waited, he's run several times for president unsuccessfully. And now here he is, right? So it's really interesting. He has stayed through the test of time. And we're seeing that. Now he has uh, a rising in Sagittarius. So that is the fun guy that people want to be around. So when people say, I know Joe, and he's, he says what he thinks, and he's, we know who he is, they're talking about that rising in Sagittarius. That's the part of him that motivates him to get out into the world. So even though he has so much heavy Scorpio energy, which is really emotional and vulnerable and feels deeply and takes on other people's trauma, which is why he can really relate to people. And if you watch the convention, you saw that he sat down with that boy who had a stuttering issue and helped him mark up his book so that he could start to overcome his stuttering the way Joe Biden had to himself. He's had a lot of hardship. That's Scorpio. You know, Scorpio, it's a lot of hardship, a lot of um, grit to get to overcome those things. So with all of that, you know, the part that people see, the part that motivates him to get out into the world, the part that really casts his view of how he sees the world is Sagittarius. And Sagittarius likes to have fun. They like to play. They're blunt truth talkers. They say what they think. They have foot and mouth syndrome. We know he has that. Sagittarius loves to understand people from other cultures, likes to see the world, likes to have adventure. And that's that's his rising sign. And so when people talk about him and how they feel like they know him and how he's such a straight talker, that is what they're saying. And that's what they're seeing. All right. So Biden's moon is in Taurus and it's at zero degrees. It's in the fifth house. So when you have a planet at zero degrees, it is the purest, most undiluted version of that sign. So I think a lot of people 
in addition to the Sagittarius rising, when they say that they feel very comfortable with him, when they feel taken care of by him, when they feel like what you see is what you get, that's also that moon and Taurus feeling. His moon and Taurus is in the fifth house, which is the house of children. It is the house of play and it's the house of creative self-expression. His moon in Taurus is actually trining his north node in Virgo. And so when we look at someone's life path and their destiny, we look at the north node, we look at the mid heaven, maybe we look at the Saturn, we certainly look at the sun. His north node is at zero degrees Virgo. And Virgo is the selfless servant. And it's in his ninth house. And ninth house is legal affairs. I would say 10th house is more government, but 9th house is uh, the rule of law. And it's also religion and it's also philosophy. It's the seeking of the truth. So his north node is that zero degrees Virgo in that house of seeking truth. And it's not surprising to me that he's an elected official and that he really has lived a life of service. And I actually think he is a person that doesn't really want to be on the stage being seen. Like, obviously that's part of his path, but he is a person with all of that Scorpio in the 12th house. It makes him really want to be private and pull back, but he has this strong need to go out in the world and be of service because that's his Dharma. That's his North node. His North node is zero degrees Virgo. And it's pretty close to the midheaven at the top of the chart. His midheaven is also Virgo. So his midheaven, that's your midheaven is your career destiny. And his midheaven is 19 degrees away, but also in Virgo. So the midheaven in Virgo, the north node in Virgo, it's all about being the selfless servant. And that's really why he, you know, he's in government. He's the selfless servant. He's there to help people. And he really views it that way. So that's a taste of Joe Biden. The one other thing about his chart is that he does have a yacht in his chart. And the Yod, which is we consider a faded finger of God in the chart. And it's his south node and his and his moon pointing toward the Neptune in Libra. And his Neptune in Libra is in the 10th house of career and being on the world stage and how people see you. So Neptune in Libra is very interested in finding peace and harmony. So not surprising that he is a candidate that is trying to bring people together because that's really his life path and his yacht is pointing toward that Neptune, right? And Neptune is really the collective. Neptune is all of us. It's universal consciousness. So finding that harmony and that peace universally. So let's pop over to Kamala Harris. And so with Kamala, uh, it's really interesting. She has a very different chart, but there are some similarities, right? So she is a sun in Libra person. So that means that she's always seeking that harmony and that peace, just like Joe Biden's Neptune, right? So looking for that sun and that peace, Libra also is the scales of justice. So they both have a strong inclination toward finding justice, for others, equality for everyone, fairness for everyone. Uh, her son is also conjunct Mercury, just like Joe's is. And similar to Joe, it's not exactly the same degree. It's a few degrees apart. So this can make you very stubborn. Now we look at the big three, of course. Her Mercury, though, is at one degree Scorpio and her son is at 27 degrees Libra. So she has a lot of Scorpio 
energy that comes through her communication, which is probably why they can communicate. They both have Mercury and Scorpio. So that makes it easy for them to communicate and be on the same page. She also has her Neptune in Scorpio. And we know that Neptune is a very important planet in Joe's chart, even though it's in a very different sign or the next sign over. So it's really interesting. They both have Libra and Scorpio energies in their chart. And she is a son in Libra. He is a son in Scorpio. So it's like in the Zodiac, they're sitting next to each other. So if everyone was sitting around a round table, they would be sitting next to each other. So they understand each other. The one thing about that is that they're in each other's blind spots because the person next to you, you can't really see them so clearly because they're right next to you when you're sitting at the table. You can see the person across from you a lot better than you can see the person right next to you. So there are some things that they just don't see in each other clearly because they're in each other's blind spots, but there are a lot of places where they have lots of overlaps. Now, Kamala's rising sign is Gemini and her North node is conjunct that rising in Gemini. So her Dharma, her reason for being here is to communicate and to speak and to teach and to write. And we know that she is a phenomenal speaker. We know that she is incredibly eloquent when she expresses herself. She's the kind of person that when she speaks, whether or not you agree with her, you listen because she has that presence and that's her rising. That's how she moves through the world. Now her moon is in Aries. She is a full moon baby because the moon is exactly 27 degrees Aries right across from her son at 27 degrees Libra. So she was born at the apex of the full moon. So that means that she gets a lot of energy from the full moon, of course, and even more than most of us. But Libra Aries is one of the most potent polarities in the astrological zodiac, right? So Libra is all about finding harmony, all about the other, finding partnership, working together. The moon in Aries is like, let me get my way. I want it to be my way. And they can be, moon in Aries can be incredibly impulsive, incredibly assertive, bordering on aggressive, depending on what other energies you have in your chart. So this is very interesting. This opposition between the sun and the moon, that full moon that she was born under, it's part of a kite in her chart. And this is a really interesting aspect pattern that shows up in astrology. Her kite is made up of a grand trine in air. She also has a grand trine in fire that includes her moon, her Mars, which is her drive, her ambition, and her south node. And then her grand trine in air includes her Saturn, her sun, and her north node. So things come easily to her in a lot of ways. She is a person who reaps a lot of abundance and it really flows to her. Her magnetism is turned on as a person, as a human being, energetically. Air is all about your logic, your rationale, your communication. Fire is your passion, your spirit, your energy. Air makes fire burn brighter. And that's why she has such a magnetic way about her. For so many of us feel very drawn to her. So that kite is being the pole of that kite that's letting that kite fly is that full moon, the sun opposite the moon. So 
I think that's pretty interesting. And involved in that kite are the nodes, Saturn. I think it's a, she's meant to do great things for sure. She has, when I first looked at her chart back during the primaries, I thought, wow, she has such a powerful chart. I was really surprised that she didn't make it further, but this was, you know, where she was meant to be. When people talk about her ambition, it makes me laugh because her Mars is in Leo. So she's ambitious and she's not shy about it. She's meant to really be assertive and be the star on the stage. And she's not shy about her ambition. She's not shy about her assertiveness. And she's not going to apologize for it because Mars in Leo wants to be the star of the show. And that's what it is. So that's Kamala. Let's jump into looking at Joe's chart with Kamala. All right. So when we look at Joe's chart in the center and Kamala's chart around the outside, we first look at where the sun is. So Kamala's son in Libra is in his 11th house of groups and communities and other people. So she really lights up that part of him that wants to be a part of the group. As I said, they have some similarities in that her Mercury is in Scorpio, his Mercury is in Scorpio, her Mercury falls in that 11th house as well, groups and communities. What is most interesting to me is that her Venus, Venus rules money, relationships, um, our social life. Venus is in Virgo sitting right on his midheaven. So she's going to bring a lot of abundance to his career, which we're already seeing, right? We're already seeing that she really is a force and that she might be the most important vice presidential candidate we've ever seen. So that is interesting to me. The other thing that's interesting is that their moons are very close. I would say their moons are conjunct, but they are in different signs. So his moon is at zero degrees Taurus. Hers is at 27 degrees Aries. And therefore they kind of, they understand each other, even though their moons are in different signs, they're very close together. So there's a sense of feeling as Joe would say, simpatico. And that was really what he was looking for, right? Now let's flip it around and look at Kamala on the inside and Joe on the outside, the impact he's going to have on her. So his Scorpio stellium lands in her sixth house of work and routines. So she's going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. She is going to have a lot of work on her plate. His moon falls into her 11th house and her moon is in the 11th house, which is groups and communities. And so again, that's a place where they're really coming together and understanding one another, what they want to do for, for the country, what they want to do for humanity. That is really where they're understanding one another emotionally. So one of the other interesting aspects between these two charts is that Joe's son is square Kamala's Saturn. This means that they are in for a long-term relationship. They are in it for a committed, serious relationship, right? So if this this was if this were two people that were dating, I would say this is a long-term committed relationship. But of course, it's a work partnership, but a very, very important work partnership. The other square that is interesting here is between Kamala's sun and moon. Remember, she has that full moon, sun and moon opposite one another, Aries and Libra. They're both square, Joe's Jupiter. 
And that means that sometimes Joe is going to be a little too much for her. She's going to feel like he's over the top and she has to rein him in. That's something that might happen for them. Also, Joe's Saturn is square Kamala's Uranus. And that's interesting because Kamala is really the one that is going to take the party into the future. And Joe is really the old guard. And that's how these two planets operate. Saturn is the old guard. Saturn is tradition. Uranus is the future. And so this is interesting. They might have some head-to-heads when it comes to honoring and preserving the traditional way of doing things. And Kamala might want to do something different and move forward and look to the future. And he might want to pull back. So that might be a place where they have a little bit of friction, right? So I hope that was interesting for you. If you are interested in learning more about synastry or doing a synastry chart for yourself and your partner or yourself and someone in your life, you can always reach out to me and I'm happy to do one. Stay tuned because we're going to be doing more of these fun astropolitics episodes and bonuses as we approach election day. And one of the things I'm definitely going to do is look at Trump's chart because I know a lot of you have been asked and I'm going to look at Trump's chart and Joe Biden's chart and we're going to do it the same way with this synastry model. So I hope you continue listening and stay tuned for all of that good stuff. And I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Oh, and if you like the show, please take a moment to leave a review. It will help more people just like you use astrology to dictate their own fate.